Hello, and welcome to the BS with Friends podcast, a subsidiary of the Bader and Simon Gallery, scheduled to open in Cincinnati, Ohio in 2024. I'm your host, Tamara White, founder and board president of Bader and Simon. In this podcast, we will discuss art, social justice, and well, basic BS with friends. Our approach is a bit lighter and irreverent and is a warning for those with young ones nearby. There is a chance that colorful language will be used from time to time. Thank you for joining us and enjoy the episode. Kylie Jordan is a first-year student at The Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio, studying political science and world politics with a minor in the legal foundations of society. She is on the pre-law track and a scholar in the university's Law and Society Scholars Program. Kylie volunteered with March for Our Lives for two years in high school before becoming a staff member with the organization. She went on to serve as the March for Our Lives State Director for Ohio and later a movement organizer where she worked alongside other directors on gun violence prevention outreach. In her free time, Kylie enjoys drinking matcha lattes, reading, being outdoors, and catching up with friends. So thank you so much for being here. Of course. Thank you. So I'm wondering, given your in-depth volunteering and work with March for Our Lives, how you became involved in that organization and the gun control movement. So I first began working with March when I was a sophomore in high school, and my high school was in a very small rural area, so there wasn't a lot of like social justice activities happening. And I did a lot of other volunteer work, but I still felt like there was something more I could be doing. And my whole life, I had encountered like school drills on what to do if a shooter decided to attack our school. The blinds were always kept down, and students all knew how to barricade doors. So it was just like a normal thing. And so it wasn't until I had reached my second year of high school that I was talking to some of my upperclassmen friends about a recent school shooting that had occurred in Ohio. And they told me about a club that they were a part of dedicated to helping with gun violence, and I decided to join. I hadn't really had any like prior encounters with gun violence directly, but I figured it would be a good way to get involved. And I didn't have a true connection at the beginning, so I had no idea how much I would grow to care about the issue and how passionate I would become. But after I started working on the state and national levels, I really found my drive and my passion because I began connecting with people who had firsthand accounts and firsthand stories, and I realized that it was an issue bigger than just in my high school. Yeah, it seems that aside from my generation, it's become a new normal that kids are growing up with, and it's not normal. And I'm wondering from your vantage point, especially living in Ohio, where it is legal to conceal and carry, what do you think is the biggest obstacle to meaningful gun control legislation? Honestly, the biggest issue I've experienced is a lot of like miscommunication and verbiage that's taken to mean something different. Like at March, we always use the term gun violence prevention legislation because gun control legislation automatically makes people feel like something is like being taken from them or the primary goal is like restricting them in some way rather than focusing on like preventing the horrible tragedies that keep occurring. So it's been really important to make sure that the terminology I use clearly displays the goal of the program and like what we actually want to put forward. 
I say that's been the biggest issue. Do you feel in Ohio that it's very divisive and how much awareness there is around the difference that you're describing between gun control and prevention and if people are understanding that difference? I would say a lot of people don't really understand the difference and kind of use those two terms synonymously when, in fact, they mean two entirely different things because I can talk to people and I say gun control and they automatically accuse me of wanting to like take their personal belongings or like take their protection. Rather, when I come at it from an angle of the violence prevention, everybody agrees that the problem of people being harmed shouldn't be happening. So it's easier to have a more productive conversation when you approach it from that angle. Yeah, I think as a mother, if you put yourself in the shoes of what parents have gone through, and and also I have a 19-year-old daughter that there was a day when in Berkeley, California, her school was on lockdown and there were helicopters circling over my home. And I had no idea what was happening. And I, it was a minuscule feeling of what other parents have gone through and experienced, but it was terrifying. And, and it was terrifying for my daughter. And so I just simply can't imagine having that everyday anxiety, just trying to do something as simple as going to school. I know that you were involved in planning in-person March for Our Lives events and also online workshops. Can you describe those and tell us how they were received in your community? And, and do you feel that these events changed opinions or instigated change? Yeah. So when I worked with March, I did a lot of phone banks virtually and in person. And I did some like welcome to the movement information sessions where we kind of just filled people in on our organization. And I also did midterm and election season campaigns like get out the vote. So we were encouraging people to vote towards gun violence prevention. And we also did some in-person protests. And I feel like they were often very well received. We partnered with other organizations like Moms Demand Action and Change the Ref. So we had large turnouts from like all over the country when we did virtual events. And there were a lot of different demographics too, but I was really surprised by the age difference among a lot of the people, especially in the phone banks. There were a lot of people from older generations, which I hadn't expected, but they ended up bringing us a lot of volunteers and a lot of good things. So even when we did the protests at the state house in person, I feel like there was definitely a lot of change instigated there, even if it was just on an interpersonal level between people at the event. But we were even so loud at the state house at this protest that a representative heard us from her home and decided to come speak to us about the issue. So we definitely made our voices heard. That's great. And I am not super aware of the environment or the communities within Ohio. I'm very familiar with Cincinnati. I know Columbus, given the university there, I'm guessing is probably a little bit more liberal or maybe more open to gun prevention arguments, workshops and such. Do you know, have you had any experience of some of the other communities in Ohio that are a little bit more rural or maybe conservative? And if you've had any experience in, in working with those, those communities? 
Yeah, so my high school is in a very small town, uh, about a half an hour outside of Columbus. So that area is very uh, conservative, more rural, and they often didn't necessarily take our message well, but they wouldn't not let us speak about it either. They kind of just dismissed us as young people who didn't really understand anything, but we can still technically do what we want. So, And what I think that a lot of individuals with that viewpoint forget is that those students are years away from being able to vote. And as we know, in this last election, it was the young generation that I will say on, on my side of the aisle, Phil, that saved the election in many ways. And um, so I think it's great to have a younger generation involved and active. And given that, I'd like to know your thoughts on what role young people should be playing in the gun control, in the gun control debate. Yeah, so I think young people should definitely be involved in this debate and every role that they're given, considering it often really does affect us disproportionately, but we're kind of dismissed. I've heard a lot of adults say that they would care more about this issue if they were in school, but they're not in school, so it doesn't really affect them, or they're not in an area where gun violence is a prominent issue. And I was very surprised to hear this, but after I kind of like dissected and thought about it a little bit, I did understand that because it wasn't a direct issue they were facing, that it wasn't like on the forefront of their minds. But I think that's why it's so important for young people to be involved, because we are the ones who are constantly encountering this. And we're often dismissed as too young to understand. But if we were truly too young to understand, then the adults in power would be preventing the problems from happening in the first place. So we're kind of forced to understand. Yeah, whether you like it or not, it has definitely been forced on you, this this new reality. And how can individuals who support gun control get involved and make their voices heard? March for, you mentioned a few organizations, March for Our Lives is typically, or correct me if I'm wrong, it's typically younger college-age students or high school students that are involved. Is that correct? Yes, most of the time, yes. but any age, I've seen all over. And are there other organizations within Ohio and beyond that you would recommend how people can get involved in, in this? Yeah, you know? Change the Ref and Moms Demand Action are also really good organizations I would recommend getting involved with. They do a lot of events similar to March, but have slightly different approaches to them. So it's really interesting to see the different ways that the issue can be tackled. But also outside of just organizations like this, also reaching out to representatives can be a really good way to voice your concerns. I feel like a lot of people do often forget that their jobs are still to listen and hear our opinions and vote based on their constituents' wants and needs. So voicing your opinion to your representatives can also help them understand better what their people want in legislation. Great. That's all great information and resources for people. And given that you're on a pre-law track, are you interested in this moving forward in your career? Or is this something that you're passionate about given your place in life at the moment and, and what this generation is having to grow up dealing with? 
I think I'm definitely interested in continuing to fight for this issue. When I graduate from my undergrad, I want to go to law school and pursue my law degree. And I think it would be really interesting to continue from that angle, kind of understanding how to better uh, protect our kids and other people from experiencing gun violence. It gives those of us in other generations hope that there's a whole new guard coming in that has hopefully some common sense gun laws and common sense laws around incarceration and police brutality and all the things that are so prevalent today. I and many others appreciate the work that you're doing. And on a lighter note, we'll go to the fun questions that we ask all our guests at the end of the interviews. So your dream dinner guests, they can be as few or as many dead or alive. So I would have to say I would probably want to have dinner with people I could like learn a lot of things from. So like Justice Ginsburg or MLK or John Lewis, just people that I could like take stories from and gather information. That would be a really thought provoking, incredible dinner party to be a part of. <laughs> What song is the soundtrack of your life? So right now I'm doing a lot of studying for midterms. So I've had like classical instrumental music on repeat. So anything like that. <laughs> That's not what I would have expected, but that, that <laughs> makes perfect sense. Flat or sparkling? I'd have to say flat. What? I wonder if this is, um, you know, what social justice cause is most meaningful to you at this moment? I suppose I could say besides gun prevention, gun control prevention. Besides gun violence prevention, I would have let to say probably. Let me rephrase that and say, well, I was going to say, let me rephrase that and say gun violence prevention, not gun control prevention. That came out <laughs> completely wrong. That's not what we want. Other than that, I would have to say probably prison reform and um, just making sure civil rights, things like that. I'm really passionate about that area. Great. It's very timely. And lastly, who is your least favorite Supreme Court justice? Um, I'm really not a fan of Justice Alito. I feel like he lacks a lot of basic respect. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. You're, you're not alone. Um, in a previous <laughs> podcast, we had VL Cox, an artist who had a very explicit response to uh, Justice Alito. So I feel like I should start keeping a tally of who everyone is responding to for this answer. Well, thank you so much. Is there a website or if people just go to marchforourlives.org, is that the best place to get information on the organization? Or do you have other websites that you would recommend that people go to for information? I would say marchforourlives.org would be the best one, but also any of the other organizations I've mentioned would also have great information. Great. Okay. And we'll be sure to link those on our website. And so thank you again for being here and good luck with all your future endeavors. We are all very appreciative of the work that you're doing. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to reach out and let us know your preference for flat or sparkling or anything else you'd like to share, you can find us on Instagram at Bader and Simon Gallery or on our website, baderandsimon.com, where you will find information about current exhibitions and programming. Until next time, have a fabulously artistic day.